Oh. Is there going to be a cue or just your finger? <laughs> You're going, man. It's uh, it's live. Oh, woo! It's Timber <laughs> Tiger. Chris Magnus coming at you live from the Work Fart Podcast with Brian Co- <laughs> That was the screwiest start to one of these interviews yet, man. Hey, guys. Thank you for listening. We're back again with another interview on the Work For It podcast, and I am here with the one and only Chris Magnus. Dude, how are you doing? Outstanding. Outstanding. My good friend, to hear. Outstanding, my friend. How about that yourself? Is, I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. It's It's been a really nice mm-hmm. week for me, for sure. So Chris Magnus, he is Timber Tiger Forge on what? Instagram, Facebook? Where else can people find you? Instagram is basically the only place i do have a timber tiger forge facebook but i don't you i only use it to look up uh groups don't friend me on there there's no point i don't want to see what you're right. dinner just <laughs> yeah, i only use it to just get research you know and then i feel guilty and i got a couple family members on there or whatever but i just block them all so that i can't see what they're looking at because i don't hey, man. post and i don't want to see it you gotta do what you gotta do man that's that's totally fine but yeah i'm not a, t- I'm not a social media guy don't i so just my instagram is just instagram stuff. But the Instagram is Timber underscore Tiger underscore Forge. Those underscores yeah, could make or break some people. But anyway, so, dude, Chris, you have been a huge supporter of a lot of the community, especially me. You've sent me a couple pieces of Damascus just, just because you're a great guy. Thank you, man. I appreciate you. Thank you, man. I mean, I can make all the steel in the world, but if nobody sees it, then what good is it? No, I totally understand that. So we'll get back to your Damascus making for sure, but getting into it, you know, what what was it that got you into making? What was it just starting? You started off making Damascus. Did you do knives? You know, what what was that genesis of wanting to make? So I told the story once before. Um, well, I've told it, you know, a bunch of times because I can't keep my mouth shut. I just talk incessantly. But um, short story long. I grew up way up in North Idaho, about a half All hour right. from Canada with my dad and parents got divorced real young, like five or something. It was just me and my dad living up North Idaho. And uh, what got me in was a show called Highlander. That we Highlander. Up, uh, Hold you know, on. I think 80s. I've seen that show. Uh, it's almost as famous as Forge and Fire, but not quite. <laughs> not quite. So... You know, it's 1980. I think I was seven or eight years old. I was born in 82, so I must have been, you know, 99 or uh, 89 or 90 or something. There's a bunch of feet of snow outside, and we're inside. Just me and my dad. He's drinking beer, watching TV. Um, we're watching Thailander, the movie, and the guy's making a sword, and I just can't help it anymore. You know, yeah. there's a giant three-foot-long fireplace with a vent on it. I can see all these coals in there. My dad owns the body shop and we live right there. It's on the property. There's a pile of steel, scrap steel out behind the pack. So I just run outside with, I get, put my snowsuit on, run outside, go get a hammer from the shop, put it on the porch, go dig in the scrap pile and a couple of feet of snow to find some metal. And I found this weird looking piece. Everything else was rusty and I found this really shiny piece. I was like, oh, cool. It's like inch long or inch wide, inch and a half wide. You know, fuck two, three feet long, something like that. Sure. Still shiny. Everything else is rusty. I'm like, cool. Run inside. Look at my dad. Stick it in the fire in the vent of the wood stove. Okay. Into the, you know, there's a big vent you turn, you know, on the side yeah. of the, on the front of the wood stove. Shove it in there. And I look over at him and he looks at me and he just starts watching TV again. I go, <laughs> I go. Fucking yeah, we're gonna make that. We're gonna make a, sword that, we're gonna make right a fucking sword tonight. Hell yeah, that is right. an awesome dad. Where it's like, you know, the boys boy wants to make something. I'm just gonna let him. You know, if let he burns, if he burns Let's himself, he's gonna learn a lesson. If he, you know, screws it up, then he'll learn how to do it better next mm-hmm. time. That's awesome. So, so cool. So yeah, so that happens, and then you know, I, I run out the front door with the thing on fire. You know, going red hot. Yeah. And he just walked, and I go out there and I bang it a couple times on the step, and it just loses all heat within yeah. just seconds. Because there's five feet of snow outside, and it's right. negative 20, right? Plus, <laughs> uh, plus, I don't know what the metal is, which we'll come into later. 
play. Sure. So I go back in, stick it back in the fire, look at him. He looks at me. I let go of it. He looks back at the TV. I'm like, oh, hell, five, this is not five. I'm in cool. My dad doesn't care. I'm doing making a sword on the front porch. Yeah. Right? And then uh, it was losing heat so fast, I got real pissed. So after about five or six or seven heats, I left it in there a real long time, and I just got it screaming hot. There you go. And then I pull it out, and I turn around to go run to the door. And as I'm running to the door, it crumbles. <gasps> Yellow hot metal crumbles the whole pillar oh onto God. the lights, the carpet on fire. <gasps> so my dad jumps up, comes <laughs> running over, shoves me out of the way to the ground, dumps his beer on it. <laughs> You know, and then he starts stomping it out. And then he picks me up by my shoulder off of the ground with one hand. And he, bang, why am I, why am I, and I'll beat my ass. So I had to run right. back to my bedroom and cry the rest of the night because I just about burned the fucking house down. Right. But two days later, he had called me out to the body shop and he set me up a whole table in the corner of the body shop. And he had a, a clamp with a cutting torch and a rosebud on it for a big, big barrel flame on the rosebud. Okay. And he clamped it to the table and he put a little piece of railroad trick anvil uh chained to a stump or a piece of firewood in the shop and some hammers and some tongs and some other stuff and then showed me how to use the mig welder and i was making he taught me how to make throwing stars and knives and all kinds of sure, stuff right there sure. in the corner of his shop after man that. and then when i turned 18 he gave me my anvil the anvil that i have oh. that today and that i use i'm 40 right now he gave me to me when i turned 18 it's a 132-pound Peter Wright, an oh. old one. Oh, and a then, good one. Holy cow. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And the nice. Peter, uh, Peter, it says Peter Wright, but the Peter is stamped upside down. What? Oh, yeah. That's got to be I unique. Oh, if you want to see. I've talked to, like, that guy, that Anvil's uh, UK guy, you know, that yeah. overseas that does on Instagram that knows everything. Yeah. He said, yeah, he goes, it's actually pretty rare. Yeah, of course. It's pretty fucking rare. Hey, that's but, cool. Yeah. But it's not for sale. It's never for sale. My dad gave that to me when I turned 18. It's never, I'll keep it. You never actually own. So I heard from another guy that you never actually own an anvil. You're just a caretaker because it's been here for 100 fucking years before you mm -hmm. here. It's going to be here for three, 400 past you are. You're just a caretaker. I, I totally agree with my um, Hey Budden anvil that was made in 1909. It's the exact same way where it's like, you know, it's so incredibly cool and every single time i do something and i think oh shit did i just like chip a corner did i did oh. i hit that thing wrong it's like pucker fact right i'm so freaked out because this thing is just so incredibly cool and it, and i totally agree you're not you're not going to be the end of this anvil no somebody no. else is going to love it and then their son's gonna love it and then their a sons bunch. or somebody else yeah who knows exactly people, yeah I mean, there's still anvils that are used today that are, th you know, hundreds, hundreds of years out. I mean, I'm sure there's a my, couple out my, there. Mine's over. I'm, I'm believe mine's over. You know, a hundred years old, way over the hundred, right. 180 years old. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I want to go back to that that uh, story with your with your piece of steel that folds over and lights the carpet on fire. Oh, okay, Just yeah, imagine cool. that from the father's perspective, because like you're trying to let your son do something really cool. And, you know, instead of watching TV, he's hitting on steel and doing something cool. And then all of a sudden wait, it just wait, wait, blows wait. up in your face. Wait, your statement is only partly factual. Oh yeah. What was wrong? It wasn't steel. What was it? I dug it out of the scrap pile. And I said earlier in the story, everything was rusty. Yeah. And I was deep in there and hands diving down in a snowbank with a flashlight man yeah when i found a shiny piece of metal it was fucking aluminum <laughs> so i got it too hot uh. i hit it up like five six times right and then i got it screaming hot and when i pulled it out, i just disintegrated onto the carpet <laughs> that makes a lot more sense i yeah. was gonna say i didn't know i was fucking I was I was gonna yeah. bring up after that like how hot was that furnace that it melted a piece of steel like that but yeah no that that is insane that is so cool yeah it was like a piece of aluminum uh, RV trim or something you know oh like gotcha, a nice gotcha. thick piece that went around the bumper on the body shop that was in the scrap pile so and it just disintegrated and I let the carpet on fire but he hooked me up after that and I figured you know but I haven't been like obviously I haven't been full time forging knives since i lit my dad's carpet on fire right 
Right, right. I've been doing it since then and off and on, and then I've lived in apartments and cities and places where I wasn't able to have, you know, my torches and my forges and my hammers. No, trust me, I feel that, making my hour drive back and forth every day. Yeah. But my hour drive pales in comparison to what you do because you're a trucker. Uh, yeah, so w- w- tell me about your day-to-day life, you know, running the trucks up and down those those mountains. Well, I work for this company. And you know what? They're a really great company, and I'm going to give them a shout-out just because they're actually such a good company. I've been working sure. for them for over 11 years now. It's called nice. Ireland, Ireland Trucking and Myrtle Creek, Oregon. Okay. And they're a log truck company, and they're just awesome. I just love working for them. We got fire trucks that I get to take out and fight fire for them for the summer, and I get to haul logs for them in the in the, the rest of the year when I'm not fighting fire for them. And they just got the greatest equipment, and it, it's just a great place to work. But uh, driving a log truck, you know, most time I'm hauling logs, but I also train for them. I train almost every driver we have. I've probably trained. At this point, at least twenty to plus percent, you know, of the entire company. Okay. I believe. Um, we're out there logging. We're down here in Douglas County, Oregon. It's steep terrain. We're in the Cascades, Cascade Mountains. Uh, you know, a lot of people hear about the Rocky Mountains and yada yada yada, but they got nothing on the Cascades. We're closer right. to the coast. We grow our trees bigger and faster and better. We're the best renewable resource on the united states as far as the timber industry douglas County. which we're just logging like crazy so that makes sense with the timber in your timber tiger forge what the hell got you to tiger timber tiger is a gray tree squirrel down here in the woods okay oregon the west coast of us loggers when we're out cruising you know we're out logging cutting or you know doing our job or out there in the woods you'd see these great big we got these great big fluffy gray tree squirrels and okay uh, you'll see them and they'll post up and they'll bow their arms out and they look at you and they got their <laughs> tail up in the air and you're like fucking timber tiger right there there it is there it is so i am an absolute baby when it comes to driving i so i live in flatland i you know i'm only going practically straight lines if I get over, you know, two hours or so of driving, I start to get antsy and I like need to stop and like get out and move or something. What is it like, you know, basically going up sides of hills with tons of wood, literal tons of wood, you know, strapped to your back? And it's, I, that has to be nerve wracking, right? Well, I, uh, our, my hobbies in my whole life growing up, I grew up in the mountains of North Idaho, half an hour from Canadian border. Up in the panel down here in Douglas County in Oregon, you know, half and half and wheeling and riding quads. And I got a Toyota with 36 inch swampers on it and lockers and we wreck it all the time. Me and the wife, she just loves riding it. Can't stop getting in it. That's just what we do down here. But the semi truck, the log truck. So you're not driving more than two hours at a time and getting antsy. You know, you're, you're driving, you know, an hour or whatever, 45 minutes, hour and a half to the landing, go up and then. When you get in the mountains, you got to crawl up there like four by in a giant 30,000 pound commercial truck with the right. trailer sitting on the back. The truck only weighs like 30. Okay. Thousand. Set the trailer down, and then he's going to put about 56,000 pounds worth of logs on it. Okay. Put me up around 86,000 pounds total most of the time. That's the general weight. I can go wow. all the way up to 90. If I stretch my trailer out, I can go to 90. I won't get into that. But anyway, 86 most of the time. So 56,000 pounds worth of logs. Truck only weighs 90 or 30. Most of the truck is made out of logs. Okay. Yeah. How the hell does that work? It's just a skeleton with a motor and somebody (laughs) dumb enough to get behind the wheel. (laughs) That's crazy. That's absolutely crazy. There's nothing that holds the logs on the load on the truck. What? So, so it's got bunks. What? It's got bunks. It's got a front bunk like this and a back bunk, and you just stack the locks in logs in there. Okay. But the trailer that goes between those bunks to hooks like the trailer to the truck, it stretches in and out, and it'll stretch out so far it'll fall on the ground. Okay. All right. So there's nothing that holds the logs, the trailer to the truck besides the logs. 
Interesting. It's Interesting. sketchy. It's crazy. It sounds super sketchy, especially it's really weird. You take we that do, we, skeleton rig and know, then you go up the side of a mountain. I'm sure there's some pretty hairpin turns and Oh, it's that's my favorite part of the job, dude. No that truck that's a hundred <laughs> that's a hundred and sixty, hundred and seventy thousand dollar piece of equipment. And the guy in says, your life. This is how in my life, yes. And he says If you think you can get up there and get those logs then go up there and get those logs and then tell me if I can send the rest of the. Not only do I train for the company, they guinea pig me a lot. Like in the wintertime, when there's bad snow, bad <laughs> oh snow and stuff. Boy. They're like, oh, Chris loves it. Send him up there. So oh they'll send goodness. me up there and I'll go up there and get a load and I'll say, hey, you know, don't send anybody else up here or. Send, <laughs> I'm the only know, one skilled enough send to the, actually no, do it. No, I might, I'm not. I'm just a dumb one. I'm just a guy that don't say no, won't take no for an answer and wants to try. Um, but. You know, I've gotten trouble for cutting the rest of the trucks off behind me and then coming out of there with a load. Okay. Because I went up there and I told them don't send anybody else, and then I came out with a load. So they're <laughs> pissed. Yeah. So being the guinea pig, I'm sure there's some pretty crazy mm. stories, some harrowing. You know, if I didn't do this, the whole thing would have dumped. There, there has to be some really sketchy moments going up and down that hill, those hills. There should not be. There should not if be. You, should. There should. There should not be if you do your job correctly. Um, it shit does happen. It's logging. It's not like, uh, you know, working anywhere else. You're out sure. in the mountains. There's no HR. There's nobody. You can't complain to somebody if they hurt your feelings. You just you can either stay out there and you can do the job or you just fucking leave. So, right. So shit happens. But, um, I mean, I've been pulled over. I never went over the bank on my own recognizance, but we have, there was a set of switchbacks in S-turn like this. Okay. Going up the side of the hill. And okay. It was in the winter time. The roads crammed, and when and it was all icy, and we had our chains on, we tried to go up around that first one, and we'd slide into the ditch. So they started <sighs> hooking onto us with a cat, and the cat would drag us around the corner, and then everybody's load was still going in the ditch, and then he was pulling the trailer apart and stripping the load off, and they'd have to put the truck back on the road and then reload the logs. <laughs> so they did that with like three trucks in front of me, and then so he set up extra wide to the outside of the corner. Sure. And then so instead of dragging me into the ditch on the inside of the bank, the roads crammed. He pulled until my truck, loader truck, was sliding off the edge of the cliff, the where <gasps> it was already cut, where everything was cut, and it's like about this much of an angle for like oh know, my god thousand yards, right? Right. Yeah. So I'm and like, for those oh. of you who are listening, he he held up his arm at like a forty-five degree angle. Yeah. So. He doesn't have a CB. It's like a D8 cat. And he's like, sure. he's looking out right. the back, you know. Sure, sure. Like, boo, 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 boo. You know, blowing my air horn. He goes, stop. <laughs> right. We just barely, like, caught on there. It had some logs that were stacked there that they were going to load as they were coming out and cleaning sure. up. And it just, there was enough deck of logs there that caught my whole truck and stopped it. Oh, my God. But I still had the cable hooked to me. So, like, I could have rolled, like, over and, like, twisted down across the bank or whatever. But I still would have been tethered to the back of a D8 cat. And the load right. logs would have left and my cab would have still been there and I'd have been just fine. Yeah. I was okay. But I still it's got pulled still one too there. far for me. <laughs> it's about, like, 12 steps too far for me. I, you know, that's just There was zero damage. There was no dense scratches on the truck, nothing. All they did is slide up against the deck of logs over the bank. And then the shovel that loads me came, took all the logs off. Sure. And I unhooked my trailer, and he grabbed my trailer and set it back in the road. And then the cat proceeded to pull me up out of there and then unhook. And then I backed in, hooked my trailer up, and then he put all those logs back on. Then the cat hooked on in front of me and took me back around to those S-turns, and I went home. And he just kept going. No, no Not deal. a scratch, not a dent. You know, it took us like an hour and a half to remedy the situation. But that's logging. That's what we do every, on a daily basis. Up in the mountains, logging is not for people. I've already I just gotten a huge argument with any, somebody I don't even want to say, but they don't understand that it's not 2022 out in the mountains. You can't no. come out there. You cannot come out there and try to get work if you think you're living in 2022, and I'll leave it at that. Well, I mean, it's, it's just some of those places and some of those work sites, it's just, you know, a little more primitive because that's what works. If it's worked for hundred, if it's worked for decades to hundreds of years, and it's efficient, what's technology gonna do to make it better? It can't. Exactly, exactly. It's it's manual. It's it's no. There's no computers that's gonna make that turn for you. 
you know, it's it's just, you know, there, there's the nerves in your body, there's the the skill that you've learned over decades of doing it, and you know how to do it, and, you know. Reaction time, yeah. Reaction to things that you don't know, things that you would never expect to happen. Sure, sure. So in comparison to that, just making Damascus on an every, you know, on a, on a regular basis, that's, that's like, you know, that's your downtime. Keeps me awake at night. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just because you, you're so excited about it that you want to, you just want to keep doing it. You can't, you can't fall asleep I, because there's just one more process. I'm trying to think about what I'm doing and new ways to do it and new patterns and new processes and new pieces of machinery and new tooling and new and this and that i mean it just never it just it never stops like i sometimes i'm laying in bed at night like wired about it holding on the blanket looking at the ceiling <laughs> thinking about all the new toys you need all the new processes you want to try man like it, yeah i can't that's awesome yeah, it just it it um it's terrifying is the problem I can't not be out there like as much as I can and like, you know, everybody gets mad at me. I spend too much time out there and I'm not spending enough time doing everything else I'm supposed to be doing. But, uh, like it, it's been, I've been doing it since I was so young and I've had these fantasies, you know, my whole life of this, of the things I was going to do. And then it's only been since a few years since I've been, had the tooling and the money, sure, sure. The space to make these things happen. And now I'm like, I'm taking, I worked for this company for 11 years before I took one week off. 11 years. You're one hell of a guy doing that. The first week I took off was in April of this year. Good on you, man. Good on you. The first time. That's hard work right there. And And I I didn't take a week off. I spent six days in my shop forging. Right. For 10 hours a day. And to see how much money I could make. When I took a week off work and I just worked in my shop and I made a little bit more than I did at home. Like, well, here's the thing, though. You know, I'm sure you are more exhausted at the end of those six days than you were on any week at driving truck. But do you know how much happier I was? Exactly. Exactly. That's that's the joy of what we do being, you know, knife makers, Damascus makers, whatever. You know, the the fact that make, you just, you make just make something. Right, Just you bust your something. You absolutely bust your ass to make what you make, and you love it. But you're leaving sweat, blood, and tears in your shop. But oh, blood! You my my hands are so jacked, dude. Like, I don't. I, get I don't you. have like a badass grinder. I got a homemade uh, two by seven two with a one horsepower motor that my buddy made me. Tim Tim Moyer from Iron Thistle. Plug. Nice. He's a buddy. I love him. He gave me that grinder. It's my only one. The two by seven two anyway. Um, works great, but man, that thing eats my lunch on a regular basis. I'm yeah. missing chunks of my thumbnails and my knuckles above your fingernails and all my, you know, it's like, it's starting to get rough, you know, after a few years of, of just, just fingers missing. You know? I forget who I heard it from first, but the, the saying that knife makers are makers in general are not hand models. Very true. <laughs> <laughs> not unless you were like looking for to make zombie film commercials. Hey, whoa, hold on. Maybe that's the retirement for us. You know, we're the we're the zombie hand people. We can make oh, that happen. Oh, we can make that happen. Oh, <laughs> so, <laughs> so you're making Damascus. What kind of tools do you have in your shop nowadays? Um. I can get you started. You've get you've got your grinder, you've got your forge, you've got your anvil. Okay, okay, okay. You don't have got, like power hammer presses or do, do you? I guess I don't know. I have a so and I've got a follow up to this because I have something right now but it's not at my house and I haven't paid for it but it's mine. Okay. And All it's, right. It's not that much and this is another story after this. We'll get into that cuz this is very cool. This is amazing. Anyway, um I got three forges. Wow. Um, two anvils uh, that my Peter write, and I got like a 50-pound one with no markings on it that's pretty old, and then, you know, five or six pieces of railroad track uh, anvils that aren't – they're not shaped. They're just anvils I just use for different shapes and stuff. And then I have right. some other flat pieces of steel and some dishing tools and some stuff. I got a 2x72 that my friend Tim Moyer from Iron Thistle. Nice. 
Iron Maybe. Thistle. Iron Thistle. And a 2x42 that I bought, like a Nordic one, it's called. It's like a $280 grinder or something. 2x42, it's got like the 6-inch disc sander and then the 2x42, you know. I take sure. the platen off that. I just use that for like shaping handles and stuff for slack belt. Or I'll put the platen on there. I'll run some old belts for trying to get the scale off. Um, so, yeah, three anvils, two grinders, two drill presses, a big standalone drill press and a bench drop drill press. I got a bench nice. grinder. I got a TIG welder, a MIG welder, an ARC welder in one. It's a Lincoln 210 power MIG, but I just run the, the uh, TIG off of it for when I'm nice. sealing up my uh, billets. And then I have just a Lincoln uh, handy MIG wire feed that's on running flux core for just welding stuff. Sure. A chop saw. Uh, you know, a bunch of cool hammers from Beezler, Backsmith. Here's Walbert. the thing. You're making some killer Damascus, and you don't have a power hammer or press. Yes, I do. I have. You a, do? I may. I turned my 25-ton wood splitter into a press. Um, it just oh, one that's, right. So, that's right. That's so right. I remember just, hearing about that. It's just one bolt, and then it's a wood splitter, and then 30 seconds later, one bolt, it's a wood. It's a forging press. And I made all my own dies. I got canister dies, like three different sizes of squaring dies for making canister I've got uh, drawing dies. I've got fullering dies. I've got flattening dies. I've got. I'm starting to make some. Uh, um, I don't like doing when I do my ladder pattern. I don't like to press it in. It's a you lose a lot more material than if you cut it and then smash it. So I'm gotcha. not making any ladder dies or raindrop dies. Ladder dies and raindrop dies, in my opinion, um, you're uh, it's a that's an issue. Well, I mean, that's that's the thing is everyone's got their own thing, and yours is going to be completely different than the next guy who's making Damascus. You know, that's that's the the really cool thing about you know Damascus making is that you know not only is the knife that's going to be made a completely individualized, you know, the maker is going to have a lot of different things that you know they do differently than anyone else, but because your Damascus is totally different than. Alabama Damascus or, you know, Coy Baker's Damascus or honestly, you know, I, I can make a list, but man, it's, it's just so cool. The fact that, you know, me as a maker, I could make the same knife out of three different Damascus makers and all of them are going to look vastly different from each other. And that's the, that's the thing that most people see first is the pattern of the Damascus. So it's, it's so cool. One of the things I'm, I've been trying to, uh, I don't know if it's a philosophy or a, a style or whatever you want to call it, but my signature stuff that I make, I call it signature series, you know, Timber Tiger signature series. I make it out of saw chains yes. and ball bearings and stuff from the log truck transmissions and stuff that we blow up in the shop at, at sure. Ireland Trucking. Sure. I take all that stuff and I make Damascus and I just, I've got a bunch of saw blades from the mills. I'm making a bunch of se a series of Damascus that's all out of steel from the timber industry. Reclaimed nice. steel. I've got giant 8-inch wide, 30-foot long band saw blades that are 15 and 20. Jesus. Yeah. i got piles of that shit now. Um, I've got saw blades. I've got um, um, saw chain, giant saw chain. Like regular um, chainsaw chain is... You know, very small. This chain, this stuff is like this tall. Like that Dude, you get, you got to give measurements. The people on the podcast can't see you, you know, yes, moving sir. your fingers yes, like sir. I can. So, yeah, we're talking <laughs> th uh, three-eighths of an inch, you know, regular okay. chainsaw chain. Sure. These big um, processing saw chains are, you know, inch and five-eighths or two oh, wow. and a quarter inch, you know, giant chains. Giant chunks. Giant, giant, giant saw chains. Yeah on you know hydraulic driven machines that cut down you know three four foot round trees in one swipe with grapples right. and then set them down and then just, and it's the chain that's it's so. crazy and those are the ones that are like you know boom operated where it's it's off of it's off of one of those crane trucks where it's like mm -mm. no they're on tracks they're like on oh. excavator tracks or cat tracks okay so they're in their cab and they got their you know thing either it's like an excavator Okay, excavator. But it's got a dangle gotcha. head thingy on it like this. Right. Like a on the end, instead of having a bucket, I'm going to try to explain this to the uh, listeners. 
<laughs> it's got like a giant machine processing machine on the end instead of a bucket and it's got sure. grapples that grab a hold of a log or a tree and then when it grabs a hold of it there's the chainsaw hydraulic power that goes whoop and cuts it and then when it drops to the ground they turn it sideways and then it's got rollers that roll it through it and knives that peel all the branches <sighs> off that's so whoop, cool. whoop, and then yeah. it measures it and then it whoop, cuts it automatically into lengths that are preset into the machine Man, I've been seeing those things on like TikTok and other social medias because like I have those chains. Those chains yeah. when when I say timber tiger chainsaw chain Damascus, yeah, it's giant processor huh. chain from logging machines. How not in husky varna chains, dude? I'm surprised that you can keep anything in stock because I imagine people no. go apeshit for it. Nope, nope, no. How? And no, nobody else makes it. I, as far exactly. as I can tell on the internet, I haven't seen another person making large processor chain canister Damascus. I feel like chain. that's another thing. Like, you do such individual thing, and, like, it's just so cool that your things are just totally different than everyone else's, it seems like. And I, I just think you, you need to have more, like, social media presence because if people actually saw what that shit came from, the problem it'd be is, so is, Yeah, the problem is I work – I'm working 50 to 60 yeah. hours logging yeah. and then I'm, and I'm training and then I'm trying to forge and I'm trying to, I'm a single income household and I got a, there's a bunch of acreage we live here. I got two goats, eight chickens, cats, dogs. I got property. They, it's a, uh, you I'm just so, don't have the time yeah, to I'm, do I'm all so the extra shit. To, I love Instagram. I love being on there, but I just don't know how to use it very well. And I can't figure out how to make like cool clips and make reels and stuff. Like I can make a reel, but it's just going to be me being recorded. Right, stopping it between here and here. I want to. I'd like to figure out how to make them more like you know different, flipping around and whatever. You know, I, I don't know how to explain it, but I just don't well, really understand that shit. See, that's the thing is, you know, until <laughs> until you go full time making on stuff, you yeah. don't have the time to put in the no. extra work to, no. you know, really put your stuff out there <clears throat> so more people can see it. That's okay. I'm busy enough right now. Um, you know, I didn't. I, I wanted to come on these podcasts. I mean, forever. You know. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, man, I was just like, it's the middle, still in the middle of summer. I'm like sitting here upstairs, just leaking. I'm soaking wet right now. I'm sweating. <laughs> yeah. It's like 90 degrees out. There's no AC up here. I'm in a cedar r- room. It's all cedar. It's like a sauna, basically. I was gonna say you're in a damn sauna then. <sighs> but um, <clears throat> shit. <laughs> you're in a cedar room and you've got this giant no, computer no, I was doing that something. is just heating you up even um, more no i wanted to do something i was talking about before that shoot Sorry. it's okay it's all right we'll we'll come back to it it'll it'll as soon as it strikes oh, no. you excuse me there it is I was, see yeah. <laughs> um i had a bunch of orders uh people contacting me lately and everything's just wonderful everybody's so nice i just love the community um that's out there had some great big orders a couple really cool orders like you know here in the u.s um some like really unique one-of-a-kind one-off uh bars that are be going out within the next week or so nice good for you man i got a i got an order for a thousand dollars worth of bars nice from a knife material supply overseas nice and what is it that you're going to be doing with that stuff what stuff the money you know like yeah yeah we could run down that rabbit hole are you are you reinvesting still into more process like more process stuff more shop stuff or is are you are you happy with what you have and you're no, good with what you're no, doing no 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 Amen. um uh, all the money that i make off of selling product goes into just buying like more adcr v2 and stuff that's what i like and, to hear you know, and uh, more 15 and 20. Like I'll, when I make when I make um, Damascus out of timber industry products like saw blades that are mm-hmm. tested 15 and 20. I mean they're legit, or chainsaw bars or and 15 and 20 and stuff like that, which is tested 1095. I label it timber industry steel. Yes. If, if I'm selling 80 CRV2, if I label something 80 CRV2 and 15 and 20, it is store bought. 80 CRV2 and 15M20 from Lawrence sure. at Maritime. Yeah. That I don't, uh, there's clear differentials between saw chain Damascus and high grade, you know, store bought knife steel. That, that stuff, and when I make that stuff, 
uh, all my forge welding is zero atmosphere. I TIG weld everything closed. Nice. I've been doing that for over a year now. Everything is completely sealed. There's no flux. There's no kerosene. There's no... No kerosene, huh? Nothing. Wow. See, I just did this this past weekend. And I seen. I saw. Yeah, yeah. I, I See, did I... my first little bit of Damascus, and it, it is an absolute drug, man. I, I got a high off of it. I did 10 and a half hours. We're in that shop working. And by the end, the only reason why we stopped is because I literally was about to hit the ground. I was so exhausted. I, I could have been there. And also, and also, it was like late at night. And, and the people were like, okay, you know, shop's been closed for about five hours and we're still here. There, I saw the writing on the wall, but I was just so giddy with excitement making this Damascus. It's just so cool. It's oh, such dude. a cool process. It is so addicting. It, I can't. That's all. Like you know, it causes uh, you know, like uh, marital problems and stuff. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. um, uh, I also wanted to say, um, I dude, I teach classes on uh, canister in Damascus, regular Damascus, and I've been making the mosaics. So I can't really like give you like a math somebody a master class, but I can. We can make mosaic Damascus. I've made plenty of it. Um, sure. But my classes are always free. They just cost. You just have to schedule it and help and pay for materials, propane, belts, steel, whatever you want to make. Nobody is doing that deal. Enough, I guarantee you, there's it out far enough. All you have to do is come to me because I can take the time off. And I've got, I've got, I live on 14 acres on the creek, nice flat ground, trees, mm-hmm. shade, big fields. I'm gonna have a big hammer in here very soon, either this winter or next winter. It's gonna be this uh, some kind of some gonna call it Southern Oregon hammer or timber tiger organ or something and i've got 14 plus acres here on the creek and i and then also feeding into that um i just acquired a press another press so the one i made is my little thing good for you this is a this is a 300 ton (gasps) oh my god like four five four or five thousand pound press Dude, but it's been sitting for like 30 years and it's got no motor, sure. no pump, but all the lines there, everything's there, everything's there. And then it he's sounds got, like he's a good got, project. He's got 12, a couple 12 horsepower diesel motors for like 300 bucks each that I can run a pump on. And I'm buying it from a logging company, the biggest logging company in Oregon. I mean, nice. or Douglas County. Hop, uh, I better not say the name. Anyway, <laughs> um, buying it from him and, uh, it uh, yeah well and then the guy that built it 30 years ago is still around and I just talked to his wife today and left a message with her and for him to call me back so I can get some more information on it on how he built it how fast it regulates yada 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 and I'm gonna send I'm gonna go to my uh my my spiritual shaman and send him some pictures <laughs> I don't know if he'll see it but I'm gonna send some pictures of the press to Steve Schwartzer and uh, see you, if man. he thinks see if he thinks it's something I should put together at my, on my property. Well, I, I even, feel like even if he doesn't, I think I'm going to put it together anyway. But I was like going to gonna say, if you have a 300 ton press, you know, it's it, giant. It's, it's giant. just I'll like I mean, it's just so cool. It, it's got to be one of a kind for you know metalwork, like not metalworking, but like Damascus making. Who else has a 300 ton press? See, I listen. Like to that, that can't I be li- a thing. I don't even know if they're around. They used it. It was a company called Canyon Hydraulic uh, built it like 30 years ago in Canyonville, Oregon. And they used it for straightening rams, hydraulic rams out, like great okay. big 8, 12, 15-inch round cylinders, solid, stainless, yeah. to straighten them out after they got bent is what they yeah. used. <laughs> I feel like the first time you turn that thing on and put some hot steel in there, it's just going to make it into tin foil. Well, it's just so what strong. What I was thinking was like I was listening to some stuff that Steve Schwartz was doing back in the day, and he was talking about uh, explosion forming and stuff. I don't know if you ever heard that when he was on Jason, Jason Knight's podcast. I I I must have missed it because I mean that's that so he had like, like a, cool a thing. he had like a twelve inch Navy gun barrel or something. You know, forgive my math or if I'm sure, misremembering sure. it, but was well, like a giant Navy gun barrel that he cut down and made a chamber, and he would you know take some canister, get it going hot toss it in there close the lid and ding, touch off an explosion in there and boom, forge weld it no way 
Yeah. No, you, Steve Schwarzer is crazy, dude. He's my spirit animal. I love Steve Schwarzer to death. I've never met the guy. <laughs> I wish he – I think he's my grandpa. He's just never met me. He's never seen me, obviously, because we look a lot alike. But, um, uh, uh, that 310th press, I was thinking, you know, when I do my canister Damascus and stuff, I do it like Steve does. Um, don't weld the handle on it first. I'll, I'll smush it long ways on the ends. And okay. That way – you don't because if you just make canister damascus on all four sides you end up with these crumbly ends like burnt yeah you know crumbly ends that when you cut it off it goes falls away you smash it first like this and then pull it out while it's going red weld the handle on there and then start hitting it with the squaring die you can uh -huh. draw it out and you solid that thing out really nice pull it through your okay. squaring dies and it becomes you don't lose anything off the ends you could peel the ends off the can just like a banana just falls right out solid piece but if you don't do that, like on Forge and Fire, you'll see them with the crumbly edges and ends. Sure, and sure. Off. That's because they're not crushing it properly. Gotcha. But I'm thinking gotcha. with that 300-ton press, I might be able to do shit that nobody else can do. Because you're um, not doing stuff nobody else is doing anyways. I mean, this is just so, a whole nother evolution of Timber well, Tiger Forge. Well, what I'm thinking is instead of having like a squaring die, we're just pushing on all four sides. I want to make like a square, perfectly square canister like a, you know, all inches square perfect square right, canister, cube. right yeah and i'll have my this guy named wall uh he's uh has a website called Wahlberg forge on instagram okay I'll have him make me some dies for these square but like take the square set it on its corner so you could spin it like a diamond okay and then i want the die three-sided bottom and three-sided top so I could put it in there like that, and then when I hit it, I'll have like a half inch or something where I can uh, 300 tons, and it's crushing all six sides. And so you don't have the ends where it could puke out like toothpaste on each end, right? Yeah. So it's all six sides, 100% compression on all sides. So I might be able to put some stainless and shit in there that like people say can't forge weld to carbon steel. But sure. I've been told I've been told if you have enough heat and if you have enough pressure that you can forge weld anything. Listen, listen. If three hundred tons is not enough pressure, <laughs> we're gonna so find out. Is, and I'm getting I'm getting it all for a really good deal. Like I can afford to to buy those uh, pieces of basically scrap. Yeah, that is so cool, man. That is, and that's that's just the mind of Chris Magnus. You know how many people think you know what I want to do. I want to do what literally no one else is doing. Get the craziest press I can find and forge weld stuff that people say that can't be done. Because it's no good for just like making bars of Damascus. I mean, you know, that much pre – that giant of a machine running that big of a motor just to press, you know, uh, uh, out a 12 or 13-inch, 2-inch wide bar of Damascus is just – it's total – over. it's – it's too much it'd be too slow it'd be too all this and too much power consumption it's a waste of time it's money but i think if i make some the dies you know make some certain tooling for it and do something out of the box that nobody else is doing um i think it's going to be coming handy and then if i do get uh that um hammering going in down here i think it'll be a draw i think it'll get people want to come down and see the big press we've got to go back to this you know these these um, hammer-ins and these lessons that you're doing where you just said, and we skipped over, you said that you, you're doing these for, you know, literally just pay to get here and mm -hmm. pay to eat and pay to find shelter. No, Dude, that, that is so, that, that is so mm -hmm. totally encompassing just how nice of a guy and how giving you are, how much you support people because people, people are coming to learn from you how to do this. And it's just like, you want to help them so much that you're not taking money out of their pocket. No, I don't want it. I don't want any money. Um, I teach. There's quite a few kids. Like um, there where we work, uh, we have some some employees called Fuel Boys, and they're high school kids. Sure. And when we when we come in the yard at the end of the day with our log trucks, um, we just pull them in line to the fuel pumps, and then we get out and go turn our paperwork and go home. And there's like five or six teenagers down there, and they pop the hood, they check the oil, they check the water, they bump the tires, they fuel them up. If you give them a candy bar and a rock star, they might wash it for you, and they park them. There you go. Right, so we got these fuel kids. I'm friends with all these kids, you know, down there, and uh, a lot of them come by and take lessons. You know, make bottle openers, fire pokers, start making knives. I have a whole bunch of wooden shelves in my shop, and most of it's all sectioned off for with people's names of the projects they've came and started, and that they have to come back to finish. Right? Sure. So I just anytime somebody comes over and takes a lesson, if they don't finish it, I just put a little piece of uh, painter's tape on my my wooden shelves and my pile all their stuff right there 
that they can work on anytime they want to come by. And anytime you want to come by, as long as you're buying propane and, you know, helping me order belts and coming with showing up with some steel, shit, I'll, we'll, I'll forge with you anytime anybody wants. I'll even take time off work if somebody wants really to come and learn something. I'll take two or three days off. You are so giving. You're giving to the people, you have the community around you, and you're giving to the, to the community that has supported you, and you're supporting back. It's just, it's so cool to see it. I just nobody. I just want friends that do it, man. I don't. I don't yeah. need to charge for knowledge. I. I didn't. I didn't. I wasn't allowed to pay for it. There was nobody for me to learn from in North Idaho when I was growing up in 1991. You know, 92. There yeah. was nobody for me to teach me anything in the in the early late 2000. You know, 2005, 2010. I'm out here in rural Douglas County or way up in Bonner County, Idaho. There's nobody around uh, to give lessons. And don't even have, you know, back then didn't have any internet or anything to learn anything like that or YouTube or nothing. Just sure. Just been doing it my whole life. And I've helped several other makers out um, that uh, never mention me. And I don't even care. It doesn't, it, I don't get no. it. I'm still going to help. No, no, because I send them that shit. They're, they're looking for answers. I'll send them, I'll DM them. And I know I've helped out a lot of people. Some of them will say some shit. Some of them don't. It does, See, it doesn't here's matter. the thing, though, with cool. especially with the knife making, the time. with the knife making community, everyone's helping everybody. And sometimes, oh. you know, especially some people are just sponges, and they're they're getting a lot of information from a yeah. lot of different people, and they just oh, don't know enough to shout people out. Right? Yeah, I mean, I'm cool. I'm guilty of that. People, ten ways to Sunday. It's people, just the way it. Yeah, P, you just get forgetful. Me out. There's people that have helped me out and told me don't say anything. Yeah. No, well, I I feel like I feel like that you know they're so grateful that they helped yeah. you. They just yeah. you know they forgot to like sometimes you send off a piece to a customer and they they just don't you know say anything. Sometimes you know that's that's just who they are and they're not you know they're they're they don't care enough to let you know that that it came or they're excited about it. Some people just I mean get forgetful and don't don't remember to say hey you know this thing's awesome or hey thank you for te- you know here's a picture of this and you can see this thing on it because I got the answer from this person. You know, it's always, it's cool to do that, but like, you know, yeah, people have helped me out and been so nice to me. Um, you know, in the last three or four years since, um, I came on Instagram. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I like have anxiety that, uh, I can't, you know, I can't be nice enough to everybody. Sure. You sure. Know? Like I can't, I, you know, I, and, uh, yeah, it's a, that's one of them weird things. But uh, no, I love everybody, and it's all good. I just this winter, I can't, I can't wait for it to cool down out here, so I can get out there and make some, make some steel. I got a thousand dollar order for a company overseas, and good for you. Cool. Where in the world is it going? How far are you sending this thing? Austria. Austria. Ooh, interesting, interesting. Is it a knife just maker in there. Austria? Or? Oh, just okay. leave it there. All right, I won't run down that rabbit hole. I'm I'm seeing the fact that you're shutting that down. No big deal. No big deal. I've tried pretty. So, it's pretty obvious. Okay. Yeah, it's it's not but obvious to me. Maybe I'm just the idiot. <laughs> I asked him if I could bring it up before I came on, and he never got back to me. So I don't want to say. Okay, I got you. I got you. So I've been looking at the knives and the specifically the bottle openers you've posted lately. They look like they're really well made. When's the last? I mean. No, you're, you're giving your opener. You just what? forge those. You forge hundreds of those over the years. You know, hundreds and hundreds of bottle openers before you ever start wasting your Damascus ink cuts on making bottle openers. But well, here's the thing: I've made a couple of bottle openers and I haven't posted them because they look like shit. I mean, oh, outside well, of the stock removal bottle openers yeah, that are just, just make easy. them. Anytime you got an extra piece of metal, like you cut a inch or an inch and a quarter off of your the base of when you're doing your stock removal with your bandsaw. Yeah. Like, hey, man, if I can make a bottle opener out of that, whack, toss it over there. Then when you're heat treating and you're wait, you're waiting for stuff to warm up and shit, you throw that stuff in there and you start banging it, punching holes in it, and forming, uh, forging bottle openers on the horn of your anvil. I mean, it is uh, uh, a blacksmith, a, a standing, what is it? Hold on. A standing seamstress and a sitting blacksmith are both worth the same. <laughs> I haven't heard that one. That's a good one. Yeah, you should be doing something every time that thing's on fire. No, I hear you. I hear you. But what I was trying to get to is, like, you're not just a really great 
Damascus maker. You're also really skilled at, you know, making knives and, you know, the, the actual forging of, you know, to shape and whatnot. Yeah, I forge all my knives. I think I've only done one actual stock removal in my entire life. That's good. That's um, good. Mostly I forge every, all the knives and stuff, but uh, I forge a lot more other stuff too. I forge a lot of uh, uh, antique furniture parts. People buy antique school furniture where the from the late you know 1890s or whatever, and the wood will be in good shape, but the brackets will be rusted. So they'll bring me piles of furniture brackets, and what, mm -hmm. they're all labeled and taped together, and I've got to undo them and figure out how they go together and then reforge them by hand. Mm -hmm. and give them back a pot bucket of brackets so they can put their furniture back together do shit like that uh old farmers that have tractors and things that need fixed or carpenters there's a few carpenters that cling through and i reface their hammers um regularly you know a couple two three times a year people i don't see just for 10 minutes three times a year they swing by sure. hey can you resurface my hammers sure thing you know, stuff is. like that just general blacksmithing there's nobody else around here that's doing it i mean there's some other knife makers and stuff but there's no other blacksmiths around and i fancy myself uh a metalsmith and a blacksmith more than a bladesmith but uh, so what i was what i was going to get to is you're so incredibly busy with your trucking or your day job or their firefighting and stuff like that and then on top of that you're making you know damascus at a crazy rate you, I'm, I imagine you probably do not take orders for knives or bottle openers. You just make them for the love of making them. Um, all the I can't offer knives online. Um, yeah. The community, the community here. You know, I'm from. I've been in the timber industry for eleven years. Sure. And some change. Um, there's so many people that know me. Everybody wants a hunting knife. I could sell knives just to people here in Douglas County for the next five or six years and not sure. run out of clients. So I only, I, I like to, I, I'm trying to supply Damascus to um, other knife makers at a reasonable price, better than they can get, you know, anywhere else and everything's guaranteed. I just, I want to make for other makers. I can already sell to knives for way more. You know, I could make a bar of Damascus that I'd sell for 120 bucks, like a nice something, end cut canister Damascus. Sure. It just looks like a beautiful you know, nickel powdered base with just Easter eggs all through it of different kinds of Damascus, you know, mm -hmm. I could sell that for like 120 bucks, easy 150 bucks. I could make two knives out of that and sell them for like, you know, seven, 800 bucks a piece. Yeah. 1000%. There's no more, there's no money in me selling the Damascus, but I don't want to go that far with it. I just want to make the steel and I want to get it out there. I want you guys. I want the other knife makers. I want B-Cone. I want you guys out there. They're knife makers that don't have time. They can afford to tack it onto their price. You know, buy some steel, See, it, but I might get thing. overrun. The problem is, is I've ever, you know, I might get overrun on this stuff. You guys, I'm just a little tiny nobody. You know me. We've known each other before podcasts and all that stuff. Sure. I don't have a lot of time. I can only make so much steel. Um, unless things get weird and you guys force me out of a log truck and into my shop, which I would, you know. See, I that's a thing. I could here's the thing the fucking community enough if that happened i would yeah. lose my mind here's the thing though the price per pound of damascus used ship is ridiculously low there is no i i know a lot of the materials like if if you do like your your forged or excuse me your your timber industries damascus you know i'm sure you're getting those at you know rock bottom prices or you know damn near free i imagine but you know the fact that you send out so much steel for the prices that you charge is absolutely ridiculous. There's no better price out there. Most of it I'm not charging for my time. Like, I'll figure out, like, I have an equation, you know, and I'll be like, uh, material costs, um, consumable material costs. Sure. So you got the steel and then the propane and the belts. And then a few times I've added, you know, like, 20 bucks an hour in there sure i made a bar to uh, mosaic and when i figured it all together the price was like thirteen hundred dollars <laughs> and i saw i saw i sold it to this guy in maine uh our ryan c clark i think one of uh i think that's his name i could be wrong pardon me i'm sorry sir but he's one of uh ryan chadborn's buddies up in maine right right i sold it to him for like 200 bucks that's crazy 
And I think a part of that has to be because you love the process so much and it's it's well, a, and I'm, it's your time I'm, away from driving. Well, and I'm not a I'm not Mareko. Yeah. You know, I'm not Bob Crane. I'm not Jason Mraz. I'm sure. you know, this mosaic stuff, I can do it and I can guarantee my forge welds. Sure. And stuff like that. And uh, I know I can send a good piece out. But my press, I made my press. You don't have a wood splitter. It's not – I've, I've, I've since put shims in and stuff on some of the slider plates and stuff that go up and down in the frame to make it mm -hmm. more precise so I get less um, tilt in the in the anvil and in the hammer sure. you know, of the press. Sure. And made it a lot more precise, and I've made a lot more nicer dies, and I've since been hardening my dies and stuff and uh, buying better materials. So it's becoming a lot more precise. But, like, I'll make crushed Ws and stuff, and they'll get cattywampus. You know, sure. As you're sure. making them, and then you, and then when you finally get your tiles, you know you'll you'll make a beautiful bar of a, a mosaic pattern, and the pattern's on the end of the bar. Mm -hmm. You can't make a knife out of the end of the bar. You got to cut it into 30 degree tiles. Right. And then flip those tiles on their sides to transfer the pattern from the end to the side. Well, right. that stretches it out mm -hmm. because you're no longer dealing with a square. You're dealing with a rectangle, mm -hmm. so that stretches it out. And it looks good at that point. Then you got to take all those tiles and then set them on another piece of steel and then tack weld them all down and then put another piece of steel on top like a s ice cream sandwich and then TIG weld it all the way around and then TIG weld all the seams on the tiles that overlap closed so it's a zero atmosphere weld. And then you got this ice cream sandwich and you go to smash it. And like the last one, it, it kind of crooked it over mm. just a little bit. So it peeled. So on the mosaic bar... You have a beautiful mosaic pattern, but like a sixteenth of an inch on the top is rolled over, so you see mm. line lines, crushed W lines instead of the mosaic like star pattern. Mm. And then when you flip it over to the other side, it's on the top again. So it's not on the same edge if you're gonna grind the blade, right? So there's a couple of issues like that. So instead of you know, I'm not charging thirteen hundred dollars, putting in my twenty bucks an hour or whatever, I'm charging two hundred dollars. It's still an amazing piece of steel. It's going to make a killer pattern, right? Beautiful knife. You can probably even grind that little overlap, that little cattywampus uh, roll off when when you make the blade. But at the same time, you know, a piece like that from Salem or somebody, Mareko or somebody, those are $1,200, $1,300 piece of steel. Right, right. But so as, as I get my tooling more squared away and more dialed in, and uh, things are coming along. Um, you know, each year is just in each winter is huge leaps in um, quality. And you know, now now that I have um, my forge welding all you know dialed in, it's all zero atmosphere. Everything's TIG welded shut. Everything's guaranteed um, forge weld. Um, and now I'm dialing in my tooling and stuff, and things are gonna be a lot more precise. I'm gonna get a lot more cleaner patterns. Also, new development. 3d printer there it is so what okay we were you were sending me pictures of this 3d printer how in the hell are you using that in for i i guess i i literally the only little bit that i've done forging is i i took it was 28 bars dude you're freaking out over there <laughs> i did 28 bars of um 15 and 20 and um 1095 10 yeah i think it was 15 and 20 and 1095 or crushed 1084. it together cut it cut it into 12 pieces restacked it up 12 high forged it all together used kerosene because that's what they that's what they do over there i guess oh I no I kerosene didn't know is wonderful no right it's wonderful. and then crush that into a, a general shape of a sword that's the only little bit of rudimentary damascus making and i've got like this itch to do it more and more and more so, dude, so how please. no no we gotta go to the nth level on the other end of the spectrum what in the hell is Timber Tiger Forge using a 3D printer to make Damascus? What are you so, doing? What is it? Okay. Um, I wanted to say some other stuff before that about you making Damascus and wanted to help you, but we'll get into that later. I got your phone number. I can just call you on the phone. All right. All um, right. 3D printer. Yeah. All credit to my one of my two spirit animals, Steve Schwartzer. Yeah. The other one is Ben Snoor. Yeah. Ben's, I, ben Snor is a, a uh, rabid coyote running in the desert. He's damn close to a chupacabra, and yep. I love that guy. 
and Steve Schwarzer, he and I can don't quote me on this people in podcast land, but I believe that him and some other people started this uh, thing with these 3D printers in canister Damascus. First, they started out, it's only been a year, maybe a year and a half or, or eight months or somewhere in there. It's a very new development. They started using 3D printers and they were using metal filament, steel, steel filament. Okay. To make like a pattern, like say like a snowflake, for example. And then they would reprint it on top of itself and make a column. Okay. Of snowflakes, you know, say four inches long, inch and three quarters round. Sure. You drop that into a two-inch square canister, right? Okay. And then you take different colors of steel powder and pour it into the different holes of the snowflake. Okay. And then, you know, weld it up, forge out a canister. Draw it out into a square bar, cut it into tiles, flip it on its side. Right, just like mosaics. Now you got snowflakes. Okay. Down your blade, just for instance. The problem was the steel filament that they used was very low grade. Right. In order for it to be put it through an extruder in a 3D printer, there's no way you could run ADCRV2 or 1084 or something through right. an extruder on a 3D printer. It's too tough, right? Sure. So it was very crappy. So they had to make these patterns and keep them away from the edge. Well... A few months, we'll say however many, six, eight months after they started doing that, I believe Steve figured out, or one of Steve's friends figured out and told Steve, that the PLA, just the regular plastic filament that you use in 3D printers, is carbon-based. It's made like 98% or something out of cornstarch. Okay. So you can print the same snowflake design or whatever you want, your logo or anything like that, Put it in your can. Put your powder around it. When you seal it up and you put it in the forge, that PLA burns into pure carbon and it's absorbed by the steel. Okay. So it leaves the pattern. Avoid. It, no, it does not leave a void. It's burned. And you're crushing this canister from all four sides, right, when you're drawing it out with the squaring dies. So oh, if and the extra void, carbon makes it a different color. The carbon is just absorbed, plus the different colors of steel, the nickel powder, the 1084 powder, the nickel powder 4%, the nickel powder 2%, the pure nickel powder, the high carbon powder, different sure, kinds. Sure, 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 sure. Different colors. So you don't even need to have that layer of the carbon to make the pattern. You just are doing different kinds of steel inside the snowflake and outside the snowflake, right? Oh, Okay. And then the PLA just burns up completely and turns the carbon and the steel absorbs it so it's no longer a faulty edge problem. So you can run those patterns right into your edge. Okay, so here's where I was caught up and stupid. So I assume that if you're if you're 3D printing the form, it was a solid thing of PLA. No, no. it's it's hollow in the center. It's just a shell, and you're putting you know you, let's say 15 and 20 on the outside and 1095 on the inside, and then when you forge weld that together, the the plastic burns up and goes completely away and is absorbed into the steel, and now you have that stark contrast Pattern. between the two. Exactly. So, like, if oh I wanted to do, oh my god, that's so, so like cool. If, so, if I wanted to do Beacon your logo, I could just three D print it in a stencil design, right? And then fill the outside with ten eighty four powder and the inside with ten eighty four with four percent nickel powder, and then I could draw it out and then cut tiles, and I could either weld them together and you get a Beacon 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 down <laughs> the blade, or, or or I could just send you those tiles and you could forge them round. Smash them out, drill a hole in them, make keychains, make bottle openers. Or even better you know, yet. You could send those you little keychain with a ring in it, and then you could send them. Every time you send out a knife, you can send a piece of mosaic <laughs> Something. Damascus with your logo in it. Something that be, cool I'm, you I'm can't hoping, give away for free. That's I'm, for damn I'm sure. Hoping, well, well, hey, man, th- you know what? That's a big selling point. If you're getting them from me for next to nothing. Well, no, here's the thing. What I'm saying what I'm saying is you you forge weld it, and you, you make it – you draw it out smaller, and then you just – inlay it into the steel or you forge it into the steel and then instead of having my maker's mark you have a forge welded or you have a mosaic damascus little bit of your so maker's what mark i there. what i can also do is i can make you so what i can do is i can make you a whole bar of your logo yeah and cut it into like eight or ten tiles right 
Okay. Then I could take that tile. Let's cut it a 30 degree angle. So it's like a, like a angles on each side. So then I could take Damascus, cut those at the same angles, put them on there, put steel on top, put steel on the bottom, well, TIG weld all together like a, a ice cream sandwich. Yeah. And then forge weld it out into a billet. So you have a billet of Damascus, maybe even with an integral bolster on there. Sure. And your logo, and I can you can buy that from me. Jesus. Anything Good. you want. Anything you want. If you come up with an idea, you tell me, I will find a way to do it. Not just you, B. Everybody right. Anybody that's, that's listening. listening. If you so, have an idea and you that's crazy and you don't think you can pull it off or you just don't have the time or the equipment or the money, hit me up. Let's do some weird shit. I love getting weird. I'm congratulations. You just became my guy for all of these challenge videos. We're going to be putting like mosaics into the side and like, for instance, this, I don't know. We're just going to, my mind is just so, I feel like, I feel like my mind hey, was hold, just expanded hold. into so many cool different things you could do with it. What's up? What's up? I can't sleep at night, buddy. <laughs> yeah, we're going back to the beginning. You're just sitting there thinking about I'm all of holding, the crazy things. I'm just holding onto my blanket, staring at the ceiling in the dark. Oh my going, god. I can't, I can't go to sleep, and I got to get up at two o'clock to go drive a log truck, and I just want to be in my shop. Dude. I feel like this is a perfect way to end the podcast because it just completely naturally wrapped itself to the beginning of the conversation. That is it's just called a, something with stand-up comedians. It's called a callback or something. Yeah, is it was. <laughs> I mean, we'll go with it, man. Right, Chris brother. Magnus, thank you, you so much. Thank you so much for jumping on. You are probably going to be one of one of many people that I'm going to have back over and over and over again, because Dude, I know been... we just started a conversation. It's an hour and six minutes later. And I feel like we could go for another two Dude, hours. I have stories too. My life is like, if you look in the past of my life, it's like a giant panic attack. I, it's a Quentin Tarantino movie that he couldn't even came up with. Guys, look forward to Chris Magnus, Timber Tiger Forge coming back. Give him some business Buy Damascus from him. He's a hell of a guy. Thank you so much for joining, guys. I appreciate you all. Hope you guys all are working for it and have a great rest of your week in the shop. I've been Brian Cohn. Thank you, Chris, for joining me. Have a great rest of your day. See you guys.